This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio with guest host Jane Brown. Great to have you along. Libby is on vacation, returning later next week. And by the way, we will have full reaction from the big players in long-term care to Premier Ford's announcement, which is coming in just over an hour from now, during tomorrow's fight back. So make sure you join us tomorrow, particularly if you have a loved one in long-term care. So will our property taxes here in Toronto go up by 60%, Or will we see massive cuts to service, including the shutting down of subway lines and the laying off of some 19,000 City of Toronto employees? Toronto Mayor John Tory has issued a warning that if either of these unacceptable scenarios could take place, if the federal government does not come through to help the city with a $1.35 billion pandemic-related funding shortfall. Brad Bradford is city councillor for Ward 19 Beaches East York. He joins us now on Fight Back to talk about the dire financial situation and how we can get out of it. Brad, welcome to the show. It's great to be with you, Jane. Great to have you here. Thank you for taking some time. Uh, let's talk about the positives first. This began as a $1.9 billion shortfall, but a city staff report says by the end of the year, $514 million will be saved through various mitigation strategies. That is an impressive number. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, we recognize that we're all in this together and, and obviously we need to work with the, the federal government and the provincial government to get through this. Um, and there's a role for, for us to play at the city in, you know, ways that we can find savings and tighten things up. We're always looking to do that. Um, so, you know, so far we've placed over a thousand full time and nearly 500 part time staff on unpaid leave. Um, the city also saved millions of dollars by electing uh, not to hire 8,000 recreational workers uh, over the summer whose services haven't been required due to pandemic-related programming reductions. Um, you know, similar similar measures were taken at uh, TTC uh, with staffing. And, uh, you know, we're doing everything that we can to, to shore up the budget on our end. But the reality is, and the budget variance report that came out yesterday paints a very stark picture um, this is not something that we're going to be able to do on our own. Uh, and as you alluded to, you know, the, the gap, the remaining $1.35 billion, uh, on the operating side, that shortfall, you know, you would, you would close that gap with a 60% property tax hike, which is absolutely uh, not, not something that we can afford to do. Um, or we're going to have serious service cuts. Uh, and I don't think that's, uh, that's something that's going to position Toronto uh, for success going forward either. So we really do need the province and the federal government to, uh, you know, stop, uh, stop the standoff and come to the table 
uh, with some real solutions for Toronto. I just want to ask you first, before we get into the details about the unpaid leave for those city workers you were talking about, are, are they, have they gone on the CERB? Are they taking uh, employment insurance? How are they surviving uh, without their paychecks from, from work? Yeah, they would be uh, they would be using the the government programs that are available to them. Uh, you know, there's still uh, they, they still have benefits. Um, you know that we're making sure that they're they're made whole in that way. But they they would be relying on the the programs that have been made available from uh, the different levels of government. Right. Uh, so the biggest mm-hmm. revenue shortfall has come as a result of a huge decrease in ridership on the TTC during the early days of the pandemic. How severe is that situation? Uh, you know, almost severe would be an understatement. Uh, we're looking at a $700 million shortfall. Uh, at the peak, we were hemorrhaging about $26 million a week. Uh, those numbers are starting to come down as ridership returns and uh, consumer confidence comes back to the TTC. Um, but this really highlights a systemic problem that, you know, frankly, I've, I've been... Uh, going on about since I, I joined council in 2018, and that's the lack of any operating dollar contribution to Toronto Transit uh, from other levels of government. You look at jurisdictions across North America, the other big transit systems, they all have state or federal dollars or both that help contribute to those operating costs. Here in Toronto, nearly 70% of that um, operating fare is captured through the fare box. Uh, that's where the revenue comes from. And then the city provides nearly a $900 million subsidy as well. Very generous. Um, but when you see ridership levels tank like they have, we're missing out on that 68, 70% that comes from the fare box. And that's why we're, you know, hemorrhaging 25, 26 million bucks a week and we're facing a $700 shortfall. So this is a prime example of where we can use this COVID-19 crisis to really make a systemic fat um, that was never sustainable and now is the biggest single, uh, single, single biggest hole in our, in our budget. I think that the message to the federal government and the provincial governments, I know that there's no ribbons to cut on operating dollars. It's not a big capital project, um, but the Toronto Transit Commission is the lifeblood of this city and, in fact, the region. Toronto is the economic engine and we definitely need sustainable funding for TTC going forward. On the second segment of the show, we will be appealing uh, to our Zoomer radio listeners to call in as well about the TTC and whether mm-hmm. you mentioned about consumer confidence is coming back. I'm interested in hearing from the people who formerly were riding it before the pandemic and uh, how they're feeling now. Are they back on the TTC? Um, there was a survey that came out a while ago saying that some people would never come back. Mm-hmm. You wonder if that was just early reaction because we were in such a crisis. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, we can talk about that. I'm on the TTC commission as well. We yes. had a board meeting yesterday. We are actually starting to see ridership numbers come back. Uh, but interestingly, our surface transit is uh, is the aspect of TTC that folks are coming back to the quickest. And, and that is really a product of the geography and where we have our, our transit infrastructure in the city. Throughout the pandemic, we saw um, bus ridership uh, continue to be the highest. And that's because, you know, northwest, northeast parts of the city, 
uh, folks don't have other options to get around. They may not have a, a private owned vehicle. Um, there's not a lot of uh, active transportation infrastructure. So they were riding the TTC the entire time. And those are frontline workers. We think of frontline, you think of healthcare. Um, but work from home is not an option for a lot of Torontonians in different parts of the city. And if you're in, you know, manufacturing or food production, industries like that, like you have to show up. And those folks were riding the TTC every day. Uh, and we're continuing to see in those frontline, uh, frontline jobs where you got to go in. Um, people are taking the TTC in the northwest and the northeast of the city. And uh, ridership is at 40% of what it was. So when you compare to the subway, where we're only seeing 22% of ridership, uh, surface transit is definitely doing a lot of the heavy lifting right now. Councillor Bradford, uh, the municipal land transfer tax, fair to say that that is uh, the second biggest revenue shortfall? That's exactly right. Um, so we were showing losses um, about $250 million, $249.2 million. And that's just a, a result of a decrease in real estate transactions that uh, that occurred during the early days of the pandemic. I mean, you, you can find uh, real estate pieces to really support any sort of position. But uh, my understanding is those transactions are increasing. But again, I think it underscores the precarious nature of municipal finance, uh, you know, in Canada, certainly in Ontario, and most acutely here in Toronto. Uh, we rely on these... Uh, these revenue streams that are uh, largely unpredictable and uh, and fluctuate. And certainly a global pandemic has really thrown a wrench into all of this and uh, made us very financially vulnerable. Right. So there is a much bigger conversation to have here, Jane, about sustainable funding for our cities. Um, you know, municipalities, Toronto, we are the economic engine of this country. We are an urban nation. 80% of Canadians are in cities. Uh, and yet we are the uh, least equipped level of government to uh, to secure the revenue to pay for the services that so many people rely on. Right. The TTC and the municipal land transfer tax, that uh, evidence of, of what you're saying right there. Um, mm-hmm. The money that's been lost as a result of people not buying and selling homes during the pandemic, um, that won't come back. Uh, the revenue will slowly start to rebuild, but you've got the $250 million hole with that, as well as the $700 million from the TTC. So now we're at $950 million. Where does the other $400 million come in in terms of shortfall? Well, it's, it's primarily uh, about $185 million shortfall for shelters. Um, and that's, uh, you know, by year end as a result of additional operating costs related to maintaining that physical distancing in the shelter system. So uh, most notably, you, you know, folks would know we've uh, made use of 17 hotels and seven different community centers to secure that space so that folks have uh, safe physical distance in our shelter system, that that comes at a huge cost. Uh, as I just said, $185 million to do that. And then the Toronto Parking Authority uh, is facing a shortfall of $96 million or so by, by the end of the year. Uh, we obviously weren't doing uh, parking ticket uh, enforcement in the peak of uh, the pandemic. So lots of revenue there. And, uh, and, and a loss of revenue on the Toronto Parking Authority as well. So that, that kind of, for the most part, makes up that, uh, that big $1.35 uh, billion gap that we're facing. And although we've been able to find, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars of savings on our end, um, at the end of the day, 
the big push has to come from the federal and provincial government at this point. Councillor, we heard uh, from Premier Ford that a deal could be reached by the end of the week with the federal government for relief for municipalities. What are you expecting? What have you heard? What's realistic? Well, you know, those conversations and that table is a little bit above my pay grade, uh, to be honest with you. But, you know, we've been very clear about uh, the net budget shortfalls that we're facing. Um, And I don't, you know, I don't see a scenario uh, where the premier or the prime minister, you know, wants to have that conversation with the three million folks in Toronto about the uh, the services that we're going to need to cut, whether we're looking at, uh, you know, TTC or childcare subsidies, library branches, uh, shelters, uh, our youth hubs, uh, our employment services. I don't, I don't think that they want to have that conversation. Um, and we really do need to find a way to work together. Again, we're just talking about bridging this 2020 gap right now yes. uh, of 1.35 billion. But the reality is, as I've been saying, we need a more sustainable model for municipalities in this country. Um, and for years, Decades and decades, we have downloaded services onto, you know, a municipal property tax base that was never set up to pay for those things. Mm -hmm. You know, like no other municipality in this province is paying for the equivalent of 400 series highways that cost billions and billions of dollars. But, you know, we have two of them in the city of Toronto, DVP and the Gardner. Um, You know, municipalities are required to provide these really important critical mental health and social services, uh, child care. The list goes on and on. TTC. And yet when a property tax system was set up, you know, a very regressive form of taxation, we never contemplated paying for all of those things. It was about roads, sewers, water, sidewalk. And yet the, the stress financially that's put on Toronto and Canadian municipalities now, it's, it's just not sustainable. So it's time for us to have that big conversation. Uh, I think this is the, the catalyst in the crisis here that's really underscoring the, the fragility of, uh, of municipal finance. And I'm hopeful that uh, certainly the province and the federal government are going to be willing to engage in that discourse in a productive way, in a way we haven't done for a long time, but is long overdue. I'm speaking with Councillor Brad Bradford for Ward 19 Beaches East York. He is also on the Budget Committee. Um, Now, we do know that the federal government previously committed to fast-tracking was it $2.2 billion in promised infrastructure money to municipalities? As uh, Now, I realize that's not above and beyond with regards to the pandemic, but is that in any way um, confronting some of the issues that, that you're discussing? Well, just like, you know, every, every business out there right now, and I've talked to probably a thousand small businesses across the city of Toronto over the past four months. And, uh, you know, the, the problem is cash flow and liquidity. Um, just like a business, we have expenses that uh, continue to pile up and the revenue stream or the cash flow, uh, you know, has, has significantly been impacted. So it, it absolutely helps when you accelerate, you know, make it one payment uh, instead of two. That helps. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, we're talking about net dollars here and we are going to need new net dollars to make us whole, not not previous commitments that yeah. were made in a time where the circumstances were very different. Um, it's It needs to reflect the context of the situation and the challenges that we're facing right now. So while we appreciate that acceleration and it's very helpful from a cash flow perspective, and, you know, we're making our way into the fall now, that's where everything's really going to, uh, things are going to kind of hit the fan on our end. Um, 
you know, at the end of the day, it's it's new revenue sources. It's a new deal for cities. Um, I don't think that we should be politicking on this stuff. I don't think that we're talking, frankly, about discretionary budget items. I don't think it's a negotiation. It's a it's a fundamental redesign of the relationship between the three branches of government, uh, who's paying for what and how we're going to pay for it. Now, but you have shown that you can find $514 million in savings this year. Does that, um, is that something you could use as a framework going forward in terms of saving money at the municipal level? Well, I think that, you know, those savings have been found in the context of the challenges that we're facing. So, you know, when you place a thousand full-time staff and 475 part-time staff on unpaid leave, you know, it, that hasn't been uh, without issues. And I think, you know, the callers on the line, folks listening to the show, you will have seen those impacts. Um, you know, look at bylaw enforcement, um, look at uh, services in our parks. Uh, like there's definitely, by not having those people out, you know, taking care of the parks, uh, addressing bylaw issues, um, you know, building department, like there have been issues that staff have been redeployed or placed on unpaid leave. You have seen a decline in those services and anyone who's been in contact, you know, with my office or any, any other office, you know, the response that, that you get is, okay, we're sending it to the emergency operations center. They will triage this request based on priority. So if we're ter- talking permit parking, it's pretty low priority you know, and we'll get back to you when we can. That's not the answer or the level of service that we want to provide for Torontonians. But that's, you know, that is definitely the impact of having nearly 1500 people that used to be working, like not working. And similarly, like the 8000 rec program workers uh, that provide the really important camp services, uh, splash pads, uh, all the things that we see throughout our parks uh, during the summer, like they're, they're not there, they weren't there. And so, you know, folks who've got kids at home, um, you know, seniors that, that typically participate in seniors programming, like they feel those impacts as well. Um, so there's a number of arrangements that have been made. They respect the collective bargaining and agreements that are in place. But I wouldn't say that this is the direction that we would want to take the city uh, in, in an ongoing basis. Uh, in terms of what we can do as Toronto residents, Toronto property tax payers, I, I'm paying my property taxes, you are mm-hmm. as well. What, mm-hmm. can, what can we do as a collective to help out the city? What services can we use, again, to help increase revenues? Well, I think, you know, uh, it's, it's all of it. Like when our, when our business community thrives, the city thrives and obviously small business, um, in Toronto has been impacted so significantly by this. It's been so challenging. Uh, so going out and supporting local businesses, making an effort to shop local in a way that perhaps, you know, wasn't as top of mind before. We're seeing people, you know, vote with their consumer dollars and, uh, definitely trying to take more of those hyper-local trips, A, because it's more convenient, B, because it's perceived to be safer, and C, because you really can do a benefit to your neighborhood by putting those dollars in the community, um, making sure that on the other side of this, that we actually have a have a business community and a small business community that's still there. Um, that, you know, even from a uh, financial position for the city, we are much better off if we have vibrant main streets, local businesses, rather than more papered up and bordered up uh, storefronts. So, you know, that's an important part of the equation. Getting in touch with your elected representatives at the provincial and federal level and just letting them know that this is, uh, this is in fact a priority and that we need to stop the standoff between the province and the feds. 
at the end of the day, I don't think Torontonians really care, right? Like it's not, it's not, well, the province has to do this and the feds have to do that. People expect our elected officials to work together to mm-hmm. get things done. We are in an unprecedented crisis and now we're seeing the financial ramifications of that. We need to all work together to, uh, to make the city of Toronto whole and uh, ensure that the services that, uh, that we need to keep the, sa- the city safe and operational uh, continue to be there. Informative discussion. Thank you, Councillor, for your time. Yeah, you're very welcome. My pleasure. Brad Bradford is City Councillor for Ward 19 Beaches East York and a member of Toronto's Budget Committee. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.